Welcome, 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 welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another week, another episode here for Motivational Slash Mindfulness Mondays. Okay, right here on the Pace Place podcast. I am super excited to jump into today's word with you guys. And I'm super excited to see that you guys are back once again for another week just to hear my voice. (laughs) No, but to hear the word of God and how God is really leading me to you know, teach and preach and reveal some things. And so I'm super grateful that you guys are continuing to support my podcast. You guys are continuing to give me your feedback. Thank you to all the people who has answered my question and uh, sent those emails with those questions, with those answers. And so I'm so grateful. I'm super excited. And I just want to get into it today. So of course, we're going to go right back into John Look at me, John, not John. We're going to go right back into Luke chapter eight. um, And this time we're going to hone in on verse 13. So first time listeners, if this is your first time on my podcast, I advise you to go back to the first part of the importance and power of Jesus's word, because this is part two. Okay. And so let's get right into it. Okay, so thank you, thank you, thank you to my live audience. (laughs) No, I don't have a live audience, but I do like that sound effect, and so I'm always going to use it. And once again, if you have not listened to part one, I advise you, please go back, listen to part one so that you can kind of get a gist and an idea of what part two is going to be about today. And it's going to come right back from the same book of Luke chapter eight. I'm going to start off with verse 12, and I'm going to go into verse 13. 13 is what we're going to hone in on today. So Luke chapter 8 verse 12 says, Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word of the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Verse 13, they on the rock are they which when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. So that's what I'm going to hone in on on today is the rock. Okay, and no, this is not the rock of Christ, our firm foundation. (laughs) This is just some plain old raggedy old rocks in the soil that doesn't allow our seed to take root because we haven't cleaned out those rocks. And so what I really want to talk about today is, once again, the importance and the power of Jesus's word, because everything that he says is important. And we have to understand that we really have to get that in our minds to know that nothing that he spoke was in vain. Everything that he spoke in the entire Bible is for us to get something. Okay, it is for us to receive a message or the knowledge of how we are supposed to live our lives here on earth through the Holy Spirit, who is now dwelling inside of each and every single person who has accepted Christ into their hearts, profess with their mouths and believe. Okay, so on the rocks, the rocks was where the soil was thin. 
this is the part that was really like, hmm, as I was studying it, the rocks is where the soil was thin, okay? So they were laying upon a, a stony shelf, and most likely these shelves were like steps, but like big, huge steps on the side of like a hill or, you know, in a valley or something like that, and that's where the rocks were, okay? In this area where people didn't, didn't really live in these areas and they didn't they never rarely uh, harvest anything in these areas because of the fact that the ground was so stony. And in order to really get that ground prepared, they would have to then break up that rock and be uh, and have you know help for people to come in and remove those rocks out of the soil before they can actually plant any seeds in this area. So on the ground, the seeds sprang up quickly because of the warmth of the soil, right? And the 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 temperature maybe um it was nice and hot in these areas you know the soil was actually a good rich soil but the fact that it had these rocks in there it's it was a hindrance it was a stumbling block for the seed to grow to a certain capacity before it withered and died so the seed was unable to take root because of the rocky area, the rocky shelf that the soil was in. And so I find this to be so interesting because some fell upon a rock. And when I think about this rock, I always think about just hardness, you know, somebody with a hardened heart. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples is that the ones that fell upon the rock are people, they received the word with joy but in the times of trials and tribulation, because they have taken no root, they can't stand the test of time. They end up being withered away. They end up falling by off because they can't stand the test of the tribulation. They can't stand the time of tribulation. And so they fold. Okay. And so as as seed is falling on this thin soil on top of this rocky place, it quickly springs up, it withers, and then it dies. So if we look at Luke chapter eight, verse six, and how Jesus explains these people uh, where their seed has fallen upon the rock, he says in Luke chapter eight, verse six, and some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because of the lack of moisture. And I find that to also be interesting is that the fact that it was a lack of moisture. So some respond to the word with immediate enthusiasm, yet soon they wither away because of the moisture. They're not being moisture. They're not being moisturized. And so it makes me think it's not because the seed was bad, because the seed we know is the word of God and nothing that comes from God is bad. And so now it has me thinking, hmm, they had good seed, right? They had the warm environment for the seed to flourish, for the seed to prosper. They had a joyous or a joyful reception of the word and they received it eagerly. But what was the problem? None of these things were the problem. What was the problem is the fact that they failed because the seed lacked moisture. 
And I find that to be interesting. And so because of the lack of moisture, therefore, it had no root. The root had no room to endure the time of temptation. It was not attached to anything. The root was not connected to its source, which then makes me think about the true vine in John chapter 15. But I'm not going to go there, okay? For time's sake, I'm going to stay right here in Luke chapter 8, but this is where my mind is going. The fact that this root literally had no moisture, it had no substance, it's not connected to its source. There was something that they did not have, and, and that was the connection with the Spirit of God who waters the Word. The Spirit of God is who waters the Word inside of us. So those on whom the Word makes some impression, right? These are the people that fall upon the rock. The Word makes some type of impression on their lives, right? But they are not deep, okay, and durable. They can't stand the test. They go wherever the wind blows them. It will show their hypocrisy in the time of trial, in the time of tribulation, as the seed sown upon the rock where it gains no root at all. There is no substance. It's never been connected to the source. It hears it. It sounds good. You know, the word, oh, that was such an amazing word. And then they walk away and there's nothing. Their hearts are hardened. And that is a problem. We have to all look at ourselves and really ask ourselves, like, are we really applying the word? Do we really feel something when it comes to the word being preached to us? These are the real things that we have to ask ourselves. We cannot fall away during the, the times of tribulation and trials. Those same things that applied in the beginning when it was good needs to apply in the middle and toward the end when things are not good. When we are being tempted. Whether the temptation arises from the smiles or the frowns of the world. We cannot be easily overcome by them. We have to know and stand steadfast that the Lord is our shepherd. And as long as we are abiding in him, as him being the true vine, where he says in John chapter 15, I am the true vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. These are the things that he has told us already. So in that process of abiding in him, what does that really look like? What does that really entail for us? We cannot allow our seed to fall on the rock and then allow it to be sprung up and immediately withers away. And what is even more interesting is that when I looked at the accounts in Matthew and in Mark, they record this same parable and says, because it had no depth of earth. I find that to be interesting because it had no depth of earth only in the small shell or the small crust of the earth over the rocks is what it signifies in the other books. That these hearers only had a superficial knowledge of the word. 
And then they hastily made profession of it, which soon came to nothing. When the time was for them to come and be tested, their faith was on zero. Okay. There was nothing to show for it. There was nothing. Thing. It came to absolutely nothing when the, when the time of trial and tribulation came. And who wants to be like that? Who wants to profess with their mouth, Lord, Lord, but really don't know the Lord? And then this is what Jesus talks about in Matthew when he says that some people will come to me saying, Lord, Lord. And he will say, depart from me because I know you not. And that's where we have to really ask ourselves the real deep questions. Are we just calling on the name of Lord of the Lord or do we actually have a connection with the Lord? Are we consciously connected to the Lord? Are we consciously living and making decisions in obedience to the Lord? Like these are the things that we really have to ask ourselves and we can't do that unless we abide. If not, it will wither away because of the lack of moisture. And it's so interesting because even in the different accounts from Mark and, and, and Matthew, they actually says that when the sun was up, it was scorched. Meaning trial, tribulation and persecution came. And because there was no root, it was scorched. Like, man, do we really want our spiritual lives to be scorched? Do we really want our spirituality to have no root in the one who created us? The one who predestined our lives since the beginning of time. The one who knows it all the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do we really not want to have that connectivity to him? Man, we want to live in this false reality, but we have to understand that it's false. This is where the enemy wants us. He wants us to be in something that is not real. Because when we come into the knowledge of who Christ created us to be and what he created us for and the things that he created us to accomplish while we're here in this earth, in this body, in this time that we are in, the enemy knows that it is over for him. And so he wants to keep us in this place of complacency, of fear, of doubt, of pride. To think that, yeah, we, we know that already. We got that part of the word down packed. Ooh, like, no, we can never have the word down packed. There's always going to be something. Do you guys know how many times I've read the book of Luke? Come, more than three. More than three. And each time that I have read any scripture, I have gotten new revelation, something that I did not see. And I always ask myself, like, was this scripture always here? Did it always say that? Like, and that's because we don't know everything. There is not one thing in this word that cannot continue to affect us each and every time that we read it. Each and every time. So we can never come into this place where we feel like we have arrived or we feel content with where we are or we feel comfortable with where we are when it comes to our spirituality, when it comes to seeking after God, because we have to understand that for the rest of our lives, there's always going to be a process of seeking. 
No matter how far we climb up on the ladder, it's never going to be enough because of what Jesus has done for us. He was perfect and we can never be perfect. But as long as we are abiding in him, as long as we are being obedient to him, abiding in him is how we talk or how we think about our will. How we make choices and decisions that we make each and every day. We have to crucify our flesh daily. We must decide to do things that is going to expose ourselves to Christ. And then it's going to keep ourselves in the contact with him. Because without being in constant communion with the Lord, we can do nothing. Our seed will be on those rocky places where they will spring up and they will wither away and they will die. And we don't want to be dead spiritually. I know I don't want to be dead spiritually. I don't. We must decide right here and right now to do those things that allows us to abide in Christ and not the things that shows our lack of moisture where we hear the doctrine, the good news, but it does not have any effect on us. We feel nothing. We have an experience of how the Lord has saved us, but then it doesn't bring humiliation upon the sinful nature that we continue to indulge in. Where we can practice what the word says without love. All of these things are instances of our lack of moisture. All of these things are indications of our lack of the water, the living water that Christ has. Faith without repentance, confidence without reservation, action without spirituality. And this is a good one right here because this is this was me, okay? Zeal without communion. We cannot find ourselves in a place where we think we got it all together, where we think we can do it without God. If we ever come into that space where we think, oh, I'm zealous, you know, I don't got to pray because I know I got the power. Okay. (laughs) Like we really have to examine that. And ask ourselves, why do we think that? Why is this thought even coming up? And allow those thoughts to be under the captivity of the Lord. He will never steer us wrong. He will never lie to us. And anytime we give him those ideas, those thoughts that we have and ask him, Lord, help me process this thing. Why am I thinking the way that I am thinking? He will reveal it. He's not going to hold out in conscious spiritual growth. When we come to him and we ask him these questions, he's not going to say no. He's going to show us. He's going to lead and guide us into the things that we need to know, into the places that we need to be so that we can see and understand exactly what we need to do to keep growing, to keep going, to keep enduring and persevering. That's what he wants from from us. He wants us to keep going. He wants us to keep hearing. He wants us to keep in the spirit of obedience. When When we willfully shut our ears against the word, 
and allow it to do no effect on our lives. We are trampling the word under our feet. We are despising the command of the Lord by not listening, by not being obedient. Like in 1 Samuel, where Samuel tells King Saul that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. The lack of obedience to the Lord, even partial obedience, is as of witchcraft. We might as well put on a little pointy hat, jump on a broom, okay, and get a wand and start waving it around because it's equivalent. We have to come into this space where we understand that our obedience is how we can be the good ground. We do not want to be the wayside ground. I I know I don't. I don't want to be the wayside ground. I don't want to be the stony ground. I want to be the good ground. And in order to get into that place of good ground, we have to stay in connection. The connection is maintained by obedience and prayer. And to maintain in Christ and to allow his word to remain in us, it means that a conscious acceptance of the authority of his word and a constant contact with him has to come into play. There is no other way. Ooh, that rhyme. (laughs) It has to come into play. Like, we have to be serious about it. The heavenly instincts that we have inside of us, because we have the indwelling spirit of God in us, when we come into the knowledge of Christ, it leads us into right, rightness, righteousness. Okay, and then the grace that is within our soul, it then thrusts down all, not some, but all of covetous lusting, of foul desires. And this is why the word of God tells us not to covet. Because in the coveting, the coveting is ungodly. It's an ungodly desire for something that is not ours, something that belongs specifically to somebody else. And as we can see, this is the world that we live in today where everybody wants what others have instead of being satisfied with what God has given us. Instead of focusing on the soil that we have in our bodies that we can till to be the good ground to receive what God has in store for us and not to be envious or jealous or being able to steal or having a sense of or a pride or a spirit of greed that is in us that can lead us even into the depths of murdering someone to take what they have instead of looking within. Instead of tilling the ground, instead of doing the work within the soil, maintaining our temple to receive the seed and allow that seed to take root. And in that taking root, our will becomes the actual shadow of God's will. The spiritual life is master in us. And it means for us that now our aspirations become holy. 
Our aspirations become heavenly. Our aspirations become God-like because our will is now submitted under the subjection of God's will. And then he then conforms our will to his will. And then what does that do? That changes something in our prayer. It changes something inside of us so that now we are praying the will of God over our lives, over our families' lives. When we speak of the spiritual do, how, and it always, this always makes me think about too, Gideon in the fleece, in the dew. Okay, it just it just makes me think about this all the time. But when we speak about the spiritual dew, we refer to the operation of the Holy Spirit. Because who in the story of Gideon in Judges, who made the dew fall? The Spirit of God. Who allowed the fleece to be wet and then dry from the dew? It is the Lord. So when we speak about this spiritual do and how we want it to fall upon us, we have to understand that we are referring to the operation of the Holy Spirit that is already inside of us. When we talk of the river of the water of life, the same water that God tells the woman at the well, if you drink from my water, from my well, you will never thirst again. We mean those sacred things which come streaming down to us from the throne of God through the working of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. And we have to understand these things. We have to believe these things. We have to know that in that, the seed that is already in us, because of what Jesus has done for us at the cross, how he has died, rose again on the third day and ascended to now sit at the right hand of our father, which is in heaven. Because of his obedience and his perfection, even unto the cross, even unto death, he has given us, granted us the key that we need in order to be the good ground. In order for our seed to be nourished. Because the Holy Spirit, the word of God is what waters the seed that is in all of us. If we choose to believe the redemption plan that Jesus died for is not just for a certain type of person. It's for everyone who wants to be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave. He first gave to us. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The world. He gave his life for all of us. 
so that we can come into the knowledge, into the place of who he is. So that when the seed that is in us can take root and be connected to the true vine. It can. We can be grafted in. The idea is that the father is there. He's there to lift us up. Even in the times where we are unproductive. Even in the times where our seed is in that rocky place. We can call on the name of Jesus. Change our lifestyle around. And know that we can come out. The Lord will lift us up. He will take care of us. He will wash us off. He will breathe his breath upon us and bring us back to life. We can be redeemed. And this is exactly why Jesus also tells us that I am the resurrection. And in that resurrecting, we can be brought back from death the death of sin. We can be made disciples to be used to do true good for the kingdom of the Lord here in this earth if we choose to consciously connect ourselves and abide in Christ. In these stony places, we sometimes we have flashes of enthusiasm in receiving the word that quickly burns out. It quickly fades. We can notice that in the two, right? The wayside and the rocky side. <laughs> the stony side. I don't know. The side, okay? And both sides, we can notice that the difference is the soil. It's the soil itself. The sower, he cast the same seed on each side. We cannot blame the differences in results on the sower or on the seed, but only on the soil. So in that, we really have to ask ourselves the true questions. In the describing of the, the different soils in this parable, the sower, what he compels me to do as I listen and as I read this, he compels me to ask, what kind of soil am I? How can I prepare my heart and my mind to be the right kind of soil? This parable invites action so that we will receive the word of God to its full benefit. And so, my brothers and sisters, I ask you all today, what kind of soil are you? How can you prepare your heart and your mind to be the right kind of soil? We need the Holy Spirit. And if the Lord does not water us daily, 
from the living springs on the hilltops of glory, we shall surely and certainly die. So take heed, my brothers and my sisters. Take heed to this parable and really ask yourselves, what kind of soil are you? That you do not lack the moisture of the Holy Spirit's gracious influence so that you can be rooted in the word of God. That the seed of God can actually take root in your heart, in my heart, in our soil. Our soils are our bodies. And so I just ask you all to just ponder on that and to really ask yourself the the real hard question, to really hold up that mirror. And no matter what you see staring back at you, be honest, face it head on and know that the Holy Spirit in you will continue to do the work that it is needing to do in you. The same work that God is going to make sure he perfects until the end, until the coming back of Christ. He will not leave us half done. He will not leave us hanging. He will meet us halfway. And in the halfway mark, we have to be open and honest with ourselves as to what we see and to who we are. Even if who we are is a horrible person, God can change our hearts. He can change who we are right now into who he has called us to be. And then when people see you in the future, they're going to be like, well, dang girl, or dang boy, what happened to you? And you can be like, Jesus, okay? Like, (laughs) seriously, we have to be honest. Be willing because the Lord can't do anything if we're not willing, if we're not open to allow him to come in, to tailor make us, to do the work, to renew the mind. We have to renew in the knowledge of him who created us and be transformed. So I got, so I say to all of you out there, God bless you. And I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. Most gracious and heavenly father, most glorious and victorious one. We continue to just thank you and praise you just because of who you are. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God, for this day. We thank you that you have given us another opportunity here to record, to speak your word here on the Pace Place podcast, Lord God. And I ask you to bless us, Lord God. Bless your people, Lord God. Bless the hearers of this podcast, Father God. Bless everyone who is even coming into contact with your word, Lord God, to allow the ears of your people to be open, Lord God. Allow the eyes of your people to be open, Lord God. And I ask you, Father God, to continue to reveal those things unto us, Father God, that you have sought out, that you have for us, Father God. Allow us to stay in a posture of seeking you, Father God. 
and to seeking the things that you have for us, Lord God. We ask you, Father God, for the elevation of our mental, of our spirituality, of our mind, Lord God, to allow us to come into the consciousness of Christ, Father God, to allow us to bring our thoughts under the subjection of you, Father God. Give us the heart's posture of submission, Lord God. And I ask you, Father God, to allow us to know exactly who you are in our lives, Father God. You are the Godhead, Lord God. You are the authority. We don't know anything, Father God. We didn't even ask to be here. So, Father God, since you saw fit for us to be alive in this day, Lord God, in a time as the time that we are living in, Father God, we give it all to you. We have our hands wide open, Father God, to what you have for us, Father, to how you want to lead us, Lord God, to renew our minds, Lord God, because you are the ones who created us. And so we just continue to thank you and praise you for your redemption plan over our lives. Because you saw it fit for us to be alive, Father God. So we ask you to be used by you, Lord God, to be used how you see fit for us, Father God. We are here willing and ready as empty vessels, Lord God. We're ready to be moved by you, Father God. We're ready to go where you say go, to speak when you say speak, Lord God. And I ask you, Father God, even for the ones who are not ready, Father God, I ask you to continue to prepare them, Lord God. Even in the season of waiting, Lord God, what is the work that still needs to be done so that we can walk into what you are preparing for us on our behalf, Lord God? We ask you for the building up of our spirit, Lord God. Lead us into the places and spaces where we can be fed, Lord God. Allow those people to surround us who were sent by you, Lord God, and allow our discernment to increase, Father God, so that the enemy cannot throw any people in our lives who's going to be there to stumble us up, to trip us up, Lord God, who is going to be there to hinder us, Father God. We just continue to thank you and we continue to praise you because we know that you have it all in your hands and you have it all under control and we have nothing to worry about. So instead of weariness, Father God, we ask that you give us the spirit of peace, Lord God. Allow us to know that we can find joy in you. Oh, Lord, we can find the joy in you. We can be content in the things that are of you, Lord God, even in the midst of things going wrong in our lives and how even when things don't make any sense, Lord God, we just don't know how we're going to get through, Lord God, but we know who can get us through. We know who holds our lives, Lord God, and that is you. You hold us in the palm of your hands. And your word tells us that the enemy cannot snatch us out of your hands, Lord God. So allow us the posture of being obedient to Lord God. To continue to come to you in prayer, Lord God. To continue to humbly submit to your will and to your way over our lives, Lord God. We give you all the reverence, Father. We give you all the glory, Lord God. We give you all of us. And we just continue to thank you and praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen. Thank you all for joining me here on the Pace Place podcast with your host, Latrell Pace. And don't forget to tune in next week on the Pace Place podcast for a continuation in this series, Luke chapter 8, the importance and the power of the words of Jesus.
And so next week, we'll be getting into how the seed now fell upon the thorns and how the thorns sprung up and it was choked out. And so don't forget to tune in. You guys go out, have a blessed day, be blessed people, and continue to show yourselves the good ground on which the seed of the Lord has fallen upon. 